Hey, I'm Justin Barney, and our record of the week on WNXP is Blue Raspberry by Katie Kirby. Katie Kirby, Belmont graduate, released the album Cool Dry Place in 2021. The album received acclaim far and wide. I was working in Milwaukee at the time, and it was my number one album of 2021. And also, it got the attention of the people at Anti Records. It's the home of Tom Waits, Fleet Foxes, and many other great artists. And they signed a record deal with Katie Kirby. The new album is absolutely wonderful, and we got to talk all about it. This is our interview with Katie Kirby. The album Blue Raspberry is out now. Hello, I'm Katie Kirby. Um, Blue Raspberry? Katie. Yes. I was worried. I was worried that I love Cool Dry Place so much, and I was like, (laughs) I... I, I was like, is this, it's, I, I, it's, it's tough to, it's, it's tough to live up to that. And I have spent, I've, I've put a lot of my personal life into loving that record. And sure. I was like, there's, there's no way that, um, the, a follow-up could be even as good. Cause often like, and in, in this, in my cycles of listening, I'm just like, I'm so like infatuated with something mm-hmm. that the next one I'm like. On, on to the next infatuation. Um, Blue mm. Raspberry freaking hits, Katie. It is so oh. good. I'm honored and relieved to hear this. I, Thank you. I was relieved. <laughs> and I didn't even make it. <laughs> it is so good. Oh. There's so much. Um, there's so much in Blue Raspberry. Like, the amount of sounds that you have mm. in the album uh, just a notable um it's like every single song has its own mood board and mm-hmm. idea and instrumentation and it's executed and the next song has an equal amount of thought difference structure Mm -hmm. each single one is like this own being in itself which is so hard to do and must have been so much work and effort it it kind of was so it wasn't my work and effort honestly so i can only kind of speak to it like basically we we did like two rounds of recording these songs like we did one in nashville at um alberto seawald's house he like produced and engineered it shout out he's a genius hire him but probably don't because he's super busy i think um and then we like did another round like here in new york um around this time last year and so there are a lot of layers in there but quite frankly, I'm not sure what all the layers are. Like I can identify some of them, but quite like, to be honest, like I kind of gave up a little bit more control than okay. I did on Cool Dry Place with the sounds. Yeah, and so okay. the boys kind of just like did stuff. Okay, was so I was cool. I was wondering that on the like, um, I was wondering that because, okay, so mm-hmm. you released Cool Dry Place on Keeled Scales, it mm-hmm. freaking rips. It it freaking rules. People know this. It's going around the world. The word is out that Katie Kirby's dropped a 
banger. And then, um, <laughs> and then, so word is out, and then you get signed by Anti. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm th- I'm thinking I'm listening to this record thinking, did you, did you like re- did you shop this to them or th- is that how the two things happened or help me with like a chronological time and place and when this record was recorded kind of deal. Yeah, so I think we. I guess I don't think I officially signed to them until like a few months before the last round of recordings so like and there are a couple of songs that are like mostly just the demos like um fences is on there and that was like a demo that alberto and i just sent to anti and then we kind of felt like we couldn't top it so we just left it there um but uh i did i was trying like as soon as cool dry place came out and it did like a little better than i thought it would Mm. um i was I was kind of like racing against time to write another record before um I like could get in my head mm. about writing another does that make mm. sense? Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Before it was like I signed to a label, now I have to deliver. Right, yeah. So fortunately all of the songs were like written and existed in some form mm. before we signed to anti. Um which is good for my brain. But also to be honest, like in terms of like label pressure, Anti is kind of the nicest possible people yeah. to work with. And they like called me multiple times to be like, just want to make sure you don't feel any like rush on our end. That's so nice. And I was like, no, 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 I don't from you. I do from me because I'm like that, but like, no, 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 you're wonderful. Yeah, they're insanely nice people. So it was like, it was a little intimidating because I love that label, honestly, and I wanted oh my God. it to be good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was like, oh, shit. Um, oh, I can't say that on radio. I don't know. Maybe I can. We're, we're um, putting this out and... as, a, as a podcast, and then I'm going to cut the things up for radio. So if should you swear, Amazing. I can believe that. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we put it out, uh, we, we did like the final round of recording and like tightening some songs and like tracking a few new ones. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like a year ago and, uh, it was a really intense couple of weeks because I'm realizing that I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit neurotic, actually, it turns out. <laughs> Which, like, I knew. But, like, I don't know, I think being from the <laughs> South or something, like, it socialized me to, like, kind of appear, like, kind of, like, easygoing. But I'm like, I am not easygoing about some things. I am a fucking psychopath. So how, uh, t- can you give me a for example? How, how did this show, how did this neuroticism express itself? I mean, it's, it expressed itself in, like, re-recording a lot of these songs, too, mm. where I'm just like, no, it's not quite right. But the thing is, I've also surrounded myself with people who are are familiar with these tendencies of mine and also, I think, kind of have the exact same brain in some ways. Sure. Um, so I, I worked with the same people that made Cool Dry Place with me, like, basically the exact same people. So it was Alberto Sewald, Logan Chung, uh, Austin... 
Arnold, uh, Lane Rogers, who I went to high school with. Um, so and shout they out, shout were out, all out. oh shout out shout out shout out oh Ross Collier of that Ross Collier um, Omnicord company. Uh, shout out. Shout out. Um, Rowan Merrill, some other, there's lots of other people. I'm going to get anxious if I try to shout all of them out. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. But um, <laughs> worked with a lot of Nashville cats, uh, sure. to say the least, or former Nashville cats. And um, they, especially like my, my core people, uh, Austin and, and Alberto and Logan and Lane, oh, we're, all, we're all intense, intense little, little dudes. Yeah. So, um, so working on these songs like for a second round with like at least some amount of ambient pressure again just like mostly from our own brains yeah was we were going deep and i think that it paid off because obviously there are a lot there's a lot of sounds on it and yes. i think that we we definitely didn't do it the easy way um i think that's what comes yeah. through i think the thing that comes yeah. through is like this was a <laughs> this was this uh, this is effort you know this is work this isn't yeah. just like hey i've got four people here let's see what we can do with these four instruments it's like no, each yeah. each one um the thought is there that comes through for sure yeah it's we we cooked i was afraid we were going to overcook it and uh who's nah. just that that remains to be seen but no no let them cook um let them cook where so where does this so you moved about a year ago from mm -hmm. Nashville to New York. Like where does this like where does this album exist like in mm -hmm. your headspace and what was going on in your life? So it exists like right before I moved from Nashville more or less. Yeah. And right after. So it is definitely kind of on that like fault line of being in Nashville and being in New York. Um and like about a year ago and a bit ago um i moved here with my girlfriend at the time from nashville who was my first uh like queer relationship mm -hmm. and it was awesome and i was in love and it was really nice to be um in love with a girl for the first time honestly um and then <laughs> we broke up because she fell in love with someone else which is fine um and ultimately awesome because it's it's cool people fall in love um but it so it 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 really it just does it's crazy um so that all happened really fast like the moving to new york and then like a few months later she was like i've met someone and i was like oh no uh mm. and we tried to kind of figure it out and then it, it, whatever it fell yeah. apart in a way you might expect but um i was writing most of these songs were written like right before I met her, kind of, while we were falling in love, kind of in Nashville. Um, and then like maybe a little bit after we moved to New York and things sort of started to decay. Um, there's, there's it's one, like there's roughly one, on that timeline. There's one or two that I can uh, identify as the decay portion. Sure, <laughs> sure. There's a, there's a couple, uh, couple tracks. Sure, I should, I should note actually, so there are a few songs that are not about her. And I'm saying this specifically, I haven't really like gone off on this cause I'm trying to keep my story straight like in a press way. But as far as Nashville goes, I feel like people need to know she is not the one that the angry songs are about. 
I would like to be very clear about that, just in case anyone is capable of putting together uh, her identity somehow, which I, I mean, get a life, honestly. But yeah, <laughs> she, she, but I mean, I, but also I'm kind of a creep like that. I get it. But uh, so she, I'm, I, none of the uh, sort of like really dark, angry songs are about her. To be honest, those are about um, someone uh, also in Nashville right before her that I don't speak to anymore. Okay. So those are for him. Fuck that dude. Respectful. I mean, uh, no. Uh, fuck that dude respectfully. Uh, the nice happy ones uh, or the the generally forgiving ones, those are about uh, girlfriend. Okay. Just wanted to clear that up for uh, the, the inside baseball players of which we'll have some so which we'll have some yes um okay well i want to kind of like go into part of the way that we'll present this is talking about four songs on the radio and i'll we'll do we'll talk about those and then go into the songs and which meant that i had to select four songs um out of these perfect 11 to choose and the first one that I want to talk about is Redemption Arc. Mutually assured distraction, prophets of our self-fulfillment. Who could resist any of that under these conditions? Or is that someone That else? is me on the piano. That is you on the piano. Yeah. Um, the song does this note by note scale that I think sounds so timeless. How did you rip upon the scale and was like, we're just going to keep amping. We're just going to go up like this. I don't know. I think, I don't know. Well, so the thing is, I'm also not a very good, I'm not a very good piano player. Mm. I've played piano for like a really long time. Mm. so I feel like kind of comfy on it, but I never really quite know what I'm doing. Um, so I honestly, I don't really remember how I happened upon that, but um, the piano in the recording is like the piano I wrote the song on um, in Alberto's house in Woodbine, shout out, uh, yeah. shout out. And uh, yeah, and I just, after we came back to Nashville after touring with Waxahachie. Uh, I had been working on songs while we were touring and then I just kind of didn't do anything for like a few weeks and like Alberto would go to work and I would just kind of like loaf around his house Mm -hmm. uh, where I was just like staying in his spare room and um, played his uh, upright piano and uh, so that's like a lot of a lot of the songs on this record were written or started on that that piano that you can hear um, in like that recording and in Fences and um, I think I started writing Salt Crystal on it and Alexandria. Um, so yeah, so there's there's a a lot of I don't know. There's a there's a lot of piano on this record for that reason. Yeah, pretty much. Um. On Redemption Arc, a little bit more into the uh, arc that is Redemption Arc. Um, there, uh, the line that is my favorite is when you say, I put our reconciliation on my calendar. I talk you down 
reconciliation in my calendar. <laughs> that, that was real, actually. <laughs> but yes, yes, I, that, I am fond of that one, too. There's just a... The way that you hit that line with a kind of, like, there's like a, a bit of annoyance in your voice. You hit it kind of dead. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell me why that line is effective? Or why, like, the, why you wanted to fit that line in there? Oh, yeah. So actually, to be completely honest, I wanted to fit that line in there so that, um, because I knew that uh, this is again. This is again going to get a little inside baseball, and for that I apologize. But um, uh, I I really felt as I was trying to write these songs and wanting to process some of what uh, happened in this particularly awful uh, brief relationship I somehow got myself into. Mm -hmm. I felt like really gross about him like listening to these songs yeah. and like having access to like my inner mm. like musings on this and i was like oh no that's disgusting like i don't want him to like do you know what i mean it's like oh, that's so I, real I it's so real so what i did um at least in a few of these songs and especially like in the first couple of tracks uh I like kind of booby trapped them mm. um, where I kind of like quoted a few things that um, were said in, in conversations we had. Uh, well, no, actually that one, that one was just in my head, but I, okay. I did actually put a reconciliation in a calendar and, and uh, there's like a few little sort of like sly, uh, sly illusions that I just kind of put in there initially, not knowing if I would keep them, but I, I put them in there hoping that like he would, uh, if if he did decide to to get sort of perversely curious and be like, ah, oh, let's see, let's rummage around in here, that there would be some sort of emotional uh, landmines that might, yeah, encourage him to to stop listening. Yeah. And for some reason, I I don't know if that was like a, an okay thing to do, frankly, but they did wind up staying in there, and it was just something I was doing to feel okay about writing about stuff that all yeah uh so yeah i think that's got to be so hard when you're like you you were mm -hmm. in a situation that hurt uh and a person that mm -hmm. hurt a uh, person mm -hmm. that hurt you you don't want to let them know that they hurt you you don't want to like give them that power yeah definitely i don't want to yeah i don't want to be like, like vulnerable but yeah. you also but writing a song is vulnerable Writing a song is mm -hmm. telling you how is telling people how you feel and is expressing mm -hmm. that. It's a real catch twenty two there, right? And instead of just like reckoning with the fact that um, this person might be able to access that vulnerability and just being like, you know what, I can't control that. Instead of that, I was really mad at the time, so I just like poisoned the songs a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like a which is super normal, super chill, <laughs> normal way to do songwriting but it worked so anyway yeah yes okay um i want to go to cubic zirconia we've been playing it a ton cubic zirconia baby no one can tell when they're up against your throat you know they shine just as well fresh off the market but you're nobody's prize magazine quiz called you out 
apple shape You look to me like dollar signs You look like dollar signs I love a reoccurring theme in an album, like something that pops up over and over. It gives an album a sense that this is a world that's being built, that these, I mean, we were talking about Craig Finn before, like, like yeah. he does that, you know? It's like, here's a reoccurring yeah. idea that you're going to again and again that makes the whole thing feel like a world that you're living in and not just like songs that are written to no one out of nowhere um, just mm-hmm. like saying words. Um, so I think it's important for us to kind of identify what the idea of cubic zirconia is um, because it's one that repeats. So what is that idea? Um, I think with cubic zirconia, I was trying to like capture some of the like just straight up exuberance uh, that I felt when, when falling in love with this person and, and like falling in love with the girl for the first time. And I think for some reason that also kind of brought about, uh, I don't know, I guess I was thinking about like women more or something. And I I was thinking about how um, like authenticity and and naturalness get sort of like leveraged. against every against everyone obviously um especially in like how they aesthetically present but then i feel like that uh that concept is like particularly tricky when applied to like femme people in general like it's sort of it's sort of hard to get it and which is why i've I wrote a bunch of different songs kind of around it. Um, but it, I don't know, it, it, I just started feeling this like ra- incredulous rage at, uh, at the like line that is made up between like artificial and real or uh, like fake and authentic or like natural and unnatural or artificial and organic and so it seemed it became it was like becoming really like obvious to me that those divisions are only really invoked by people who are trying to scam or manipulate you probably Mm. um and so it, it just because like, and it's like who is to say where the line between uh, artificial and natural or organic lies or um, authentic and, and fake and like it what does artificial or fake or inorganic necessarily mean like that it's untruthful and all of it's like very I'm getting very abstract as I tend to whenever I try to talk about this but like. That's kind of what I was thinking about with Blue Raspberry, and and that's what I was thinking about with Cubic Zirconia. Right. And just, like, the ways that, like, especially, like, women making choices that are, uh, like, aesthetic, like, makeup or whatever, like, technically inauthentic or technically unnatural, but, like, also sort of really revelatory of, like, someone's 
aesthetic preferences and like little tricks that they use to move through the world. Right. And like, I think that that's like how if it, it's it's like an extension of their inner world and and why would that seems like much more natural or like expressive of their d- deepest most authentic essence than just never making those choices or only making do you see what i'm saying oh, sort of with this it's just yes. like it's and it's very charming whenever people are unembarrassed of those and i think that's gorgeous and awesome and i was kind of figuring that putting this together as i was being like oh girls are hot um yeah <laughs> so they kind of collided <laughs> So like authentic and and fake in terms of the definition of what it mm-hmm. is to be femme. Just yeah, in the definition of what it is to be anything. I think that like yeah. femme people like kind of have a more like obvious or like less uh, just a less subtle relationship with that. Yeah. Kind of like line I, like where I it's agree. A li- and it gets kind of like thrown at them more often. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the stakes are higher, but it's, but, but that's everyone. And, and I, I, and I think and that, that yeah. and that really just like extends to so many things. I mean, that extends to like music criticism too. We're always like, you know, mm-hmm. the, what is authentic and real in, in kind of like right. everything is fetishized. Um, but also right. like, you know, like, a, like, um, we often love things that are theatrical because that also says something mm-hmm. real, you know. And there's like a, a like a like theater or or something that's like put on, so to speak, is right. is like looked down on. But like, oftentimes that's some of my favorite stuff, you know. Right, like that's the best. And I and I wonder, for some reason, the word theatrical has never come up while I'm talking about this, and now I'm my mind is a little bit blown because I'm thinking like, yeah, like. I I haven't identified as queer for long, but from as I understand it, like queer culture seems to love the theater a lot <laughs> or love theatrics. It seems like right, yeah, 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 historically true. an affinity there, and I and I wonder if it's because yeah, and it's just like well, everyone's everyone's you know putting on a little bit of a show at all the times, and we can either get in our heads and be absurdly like squeamish about it mm-hmm. or and like do do a version of that performance that like makes people think that we're telling the truth or we mm-hmm. can get over it i don't know and so yeah and and cubic zirconia was always a fun uh little touchstone for me when thinking about that because i really i like diamonds are uh, again technically a natural substance but like also associated with bloodshed and they look fucking exactly the same like yeah yeah come on like who 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 i mean i'm sure some like very wealthy people or trained eyes can maybe spot the difference but it's like yeah but they're literally it's just sparkly like we like diamonds because they're sparkly (laughs) and this other thing is just as sparkly and there's really no reason one is better than the other except for for like cutting glass i don't know but yeah it's it's just absurd and so i just got mad at all of these little divisions about diamonds and people and uh flavors 
Yeah, I feel like I could go in on that like forever. I feel like there's like there's even like more like layers that I like want to talk about with this like yeah. thing, but we're on a time crunch. So, um True. we we're going to go there's like there at the end of Cubic Zirconia, there's like some kind of like sleigh bell or something. What is that? Oh yeah, that's sleigh bells. Oh, it is sleigh bells. It's literal as sleigh bells and I I'm so glad you picked up on that because I'm very proud of myself for like kind of digging my heels in. Um, mm. On the day that we were tracking that, I was like, it needs sleigh bells at the end. All of the boys uh, were like, I don't think that it, no. And I had also just like woken up from a nap. I think I fell asleep in the studio and I woke up and I was like, the end needs sleigh bells. And they were like, okay, maybe it doesn't. Uh, Katie, and then you I were so right. You were so right. I know. Right. You consider I was so this right. consider this vindication. You were right. Thank you. And so I turned to the engineer and I was like, "Do you have any sleigh bells in here, my guy?" And uh, Eamon Ford, who was recording it, was like, uh, "Yeah, I only have one." And he was like, "Well, here it is." And it was like a strap. And he said, "It was. I've never used it, but I got it from like." the a, a dog christmas parade in florida wow like from 2005 and i said that is exactly what i wanted <laughs> it is because it doesn't sound like sleigh bells like on a metal on a, like on a wooden thing um yeah like there's a stick. there's something there's something like loose about it uh-huh yeah. yeah dang that rules glad we I got that moment bells. of vindication in there <laughs> um, um, two more songs to talk about. Um, Drop Dead. Drop Dead is yes. a jaunty number. Oh, the going rate for roses is the lowest that it has been since 1997. And if anyone knows, well, they're not telling why the current cost of diamonds has the most. It's so jaunty. I almost was like, I don't, this is so jaunty. I don't know about this. But I'm glad people people seem to like it so far. But yeah. I think it rips. And I think that I think that the jauntiness is the thing that like there is there's joy in it. You know? There is I, I am in the place uh where I wrote that song and I like remember exactly where I was when I started it a little over a year ago. And it was because I was doing the dishes um, in the kitchen over there, and for some reason in this household, no one knows why, but there's like a copy of um, that Barbara Streisand, Barry Gibbs record that has Guilty on it. I was like, and it's like such a silly little like makeout track. Yeah. Um, and I was like really obsessed with it for a second. Wow. And then I like forgot about it, and then I saw it above the sink, and I was—I had just decided I was gonna write that day, so I was like, "I'll—I guess I'll try to channel that track because I haven't done—I haven't done anything like that before." <laughs> so then it turned into, yeah, it got super jaunty, real, real quick. I cannot wait to cut that when I'm chopping this up and do a side-by-side -side <laughs> to that song <laughs> there's also there's also part in drop dead where it like comes to a complete stop and i think it's really really effective in the song 
Oh, the uh, the un the unoutlinable Bermuda Triangles. Yeah. Part. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. No, I uh. I didn't really know how to stick the landing on that song, so I, I think that was something the the boys came up with that sort of like sweet little outro as a palate cleanser. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was really excited to use the lyric unoutlinable Bermuda Triangles because uh, I'd had it in my notes for a really long time <laughs> and I was like, it's perfect. <laughs> this is a perfect excuse to say that. <laughs> Stupid line. <laughs> you need to get it out of this notebook. Uh. Yeah, I was like, it's, it has to exist or I'll never get, it, get rid of it. Um, last song I want to talk about is the song that we are playing now, which is Table. When it comes mm -hmm. in, when it when it hits, oh my God, is it that hits. catharsis? He prepares a table for me. That was definitely a band thing. I think I, I like played it. Oh, you know what? I remember this. Um, I had written that like super randomly. Didn't even know if I liked it, but Logan uh, Chung was like, yo, yeah. just send me something to, send me something to like work on today. And I was like, well, I have this one voice memo and it was like just me and a guitar. Yeah. And I was like, this is like about religion in a way that feels like kind of wimpy almost when it's just me and a guitar and I don't even know if I like it, but like Molly's kind of cute. So I sent it to him just like as a voice memo and he just like put a bunch of stuff on it. And like it, he, it came back to me like a day later and it was all like distorted and sounded like it does now kind of um yeah. but like crazier because he just like put it through logic with a voice memo that i sent him and a bunch of other things but i think that was him the like arrangement where it just like comes in and it's like it's it's like gotcha for, it's like for a line like it's like you trick us into thinking like oh you're in a sweet little katie kirby song and then boom <laughs> you are in the pit <laughs> there's also it's so fun to play live there's also yeah. the the um the layering on that is your voice mm -hmm. is like it's like you took that and uh, a cla like a classic studio move where you're like all the instruments need to be turned up and you're like let's turn up mm -hmm. the guitars let's turn up the drums let's yeah. turn up everything and your voice is kind of like under that and sometimes i feel like i would be like let me hear more katie but i think there's something about you just being kind of like singing through all the instrumentation that i just like it just works for me it's okay also working. again very spot on and very validating not not for me necessarily but like logan um in particular advocated for that and for me to like deliver that song pretty quietly yeah because he really liked, like when I sent him that voice memo, it was like a quiet song. And then he just put loud stuff on top yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, it's so cool that you're like singing really quietly, like to yourself, but there's all this chaos I... going on. And I was like, oh, that is cool. Yeah. That is, that he is, that rips. I'll tell rips. him, he'll be pleased. Yeah. Um, what, what is the, what is, 
you had you had said that is kind of like wimpishly religious. Um, could you explain that? Yeah, it wasn't like it. Sorry, I, if I, I didn't mean inherently... to. I didn't misparaphrase. No, I said you. wimpy. No, no, no. You I, paraphrased me perfectly. You. <laughs> You're quoting me. I said it. It does. Yeah, it like sounded kind of like too mournful for what I meant it to be. Whenever it was uh, just dry, but um, I don't know. I was just trying to write kind of like a weird song about I don't know, like the Protestant tradition. Boy, oh boy, got some weird stuff in there, as we all know. In, in Nashville particularly like there's a lot to unpack there a lot of stuff just sucks we just do not love it and we do not want it anymore however like occasionally I'll roll up to a Quaker meeting or whatever kind of vibe out or like someone will say something that I'm like damn that is that is pretty good that mm. Jesus said or whatever mm. and so I don't know I guess it was just sort of a like um, a bit of uh I don't I just think it's silly sometimes like how hard it is for me to decide uh or it, I guess it's silly like how hard I want to decide uh like whether um my like faith background was like good or bad or it's like dude obviously there's a lot going on there like why like grow up and so I guess that that was kind of the internal dialogue that was shaping that song i hear you level. it's like we were it's all like, it's both baby we were also in it for a reason you know it's like yeah there's well there... and also like it's in your it's in my brain like the architecture is already like yeah. established it's not going anywhere i better right. i better make some peace with it like yeah. there's there is a lot of dots that connected in a very real way and like who's to mm -hmm. say that like now that i don't that now that that i I mm -hmm. think for me, we no longer like, intellectually assent. Right, right, and also but, the, for me, there's a bit of betrayal of like, I was told mm -hmm. that this thing was perfect. You know, I was right. told that this thing was all these answers. That now, I it is the it is the emperor has no clothes. You know, right. But um, still an emperor. That takes a while to get over. Yeah, but once you get over it which you will eventually, one does, uh, then you're just kind of like, yeah, man, I don't know. And then it's like way cooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a way to be. And then you're like, oh yeah, we, we, it is a framework for us being nice to each other. <laughs> this, yeah, this is a like, big way for knows, us man. to, um, uh, you know, give each other the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah, and like, sure, if that's what does it, that's what does it, who am I to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, this is it. This is great. Thank this you, Katie. This is so great. I'm Anytime. so relieved. Blue Raspberry is a banger. I'm so relieved you like it, dude. It's oh, truly. So good. So good. Um, I'll speed. see you at the show at Blue Room. Oh, yes. Amazing. Right. So tight. So, so psyched about it. All right. Give All my right. regards. Bye. Peace. Bye.